beauty of holiness. Or in the translation Zeke just read, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And uh, if you boiled uh, Wilmore down to one word, it would probably be holiness. That's kind of our mantra. Um, and there's been a portion of that God has displayed, but I believe we haven't even begun to explore his definition of holiness. And I believe he is going to help us become a people in this land who worship him in the beauty and the splendor of holiness, that we worship him in the beauty of other thanness, in the, in the beauty of uniqueness, not just conform to this world. In Matthew, the Lord makes Syrian, I think it was Syrian, skip like a young wild ox. There's an element where the slain ox will always be a foundation in your life. But, dude, there's also an element when the voice of the Lord makes that young wild ox go off skipping in joy and bringing longhorns to do some damage. <clears throat> well, speaking of um, Matthew, Matthew Moore and his fiance Aaron are in the house. Um, so we want to welcome them from middle Georgia. Let's give them a, a round of applause. Yeah, I, I won't take time to say more about uh, Matthew Moore right now because I could say a lot. He is uh, um, in a unique category of special people in my life and my heart. That's about as much as I can say right now. Um, but I would like um, Aaron and Matthew to come up. Uh, we already prayed for Matthew, but I just want, uh, it was on my heart, for Michael, you to say a blessing over them as um, a newly married man. And it was also on my heart to have uh, um, Paul and Na Naomi come and Naomi for you to pray a French prayer. Father, we thank you uh, that we know where, where two or three are gathered in your name. Uh, you are there amongst us. And so, God, we just believe that if we ask anything according to your will, we have that. So we pray by faith that we know that when you bring two people together, a man and a woman, a wife and a husband, that uh, no weapon forged against them will prosper, that, Lord, no entity, no spirit, no man will separate them. So, Lord, we welcome a bond even now, Lord, that will be uh, completely unbreakable. A bond, Lord, that will be forged by your spirit, Jesus. And when you perform a work, Lord, you do it completely. You don't do it 99.99%. It's 100%. It's completed. 
So, Lord, we know that um, the work of you bringing Matthew and Aaron together, Lord, uh, you'll bring that into fruition, their marriage, in all that you have. Lord, we just declare and believe every promise you've spoken over them before the foundation of the earth will come into fruition. The enemy will have no say. He won't steal. He won't destroy. He won't kill. We bless the womb. Lord, may it be fruitful and multiply according to your will, according to your commission. In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm just welcoming your spirit. Lord, I see a, a fruitful harvest in this couple. Lord, I see a garden of pleasure, of joy. I see shepherds with them, shepherding others. So, Lord, we welcome your promises. We welcome every benefit of the blood of Jesus Christ over them. And we declare that in your holy, holy name, Jesus. Seigneur, merci pour ce couple, pour Matthieu et Aaron. Et Seigneur, je te demande de les bénir. Je te demande de bénir leur relation et de bénir leur rôle qu'ils ont sur cette terre. Seigneur, merci parce que tu les as appelés à être ensemble et tu les as appelés à continuer la vie en marchant l'un à côté de l'autre avec toi. Seigneur, je te, je te demande de les protéger. Et en fait, je vois euh, comme un, une colombe au-dessus de vous qui... Les, les, les ailes sont au-dessus de vous deux. Et euh, évidemment, la colombe, c'est le Saint-Esprit. Et Seigneur, je te remercie pour le Saint-Esprit qui les suit, qui va devant eux et au-dessus d'eux. Et le Seigneur m'a aussi montré euh, une, la, une grande rue devant vous. Et c'était une rue en or. Et en fait, cette rue, c'était aussi euh, comme un... Euh, comme un pont, mais un grand pont au-dessus d'un océan. Et je ne sais pas ce que ça veut dire, mais ce n'est pas important. Seigneur, je te demande de, de leur donner la révélation à ce que ça veut dire. Seigneur, je te demande de bénir ce couple, encore une fois. Merci pour la joie que tu leur apportes. Merci pour la paix qui est toujours avec eux. Je te demande de les, les protéger contre les attaques. Et, et, et de les remplir de ta sagesse. And um, just one thing, a couple of things the Lord showed me was um, like a dove over both of you, and each wing was on over each one of you. And then the other thing was He showed me a um, like a a street in front of you, but it was a a gold street that turned into being like a bridge, like a, one of those huge bridge that crosses over an ocean, actually. But, so yeah. Thank you. Bless you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you, Smith family, Span man. Michael's other half is in California right now. I thought when uh, I didn't think about this until Naomi started praying and uh, 
beautiful French language. And I was thinking about, you know what? France is known for a couple key things, at least in my mind. First is love. Um, how do you say love? Amour. May the Lord bless you with amour. I think I added like a little bit of Hebrew sound. Amour. So love, and I want to I think about particularly the love between a man and a woman. And uh, I also think about, um, you know, the age of enlightenment was really birthed from there. And obviously it was birthed out a lot of human and demon wisdom. But uh, the Lord has the real enlightenment. And then he's going to bring that through you. The other thing I thought of was fashion with the French. And the Lord uh, has fashioned a couple, fashioned a weapon. And I think you all are going to be fashionable. I think you're going to help him be fashionable. <clears throat> not, not that you're not fashionable, Matthew, but like my wife increases. I always get compliments at school on my shirts on the days I wear ones that Karis bought me. I'm like, thanks, ma'am. My wife bought it for me. She has good taste. <laughs> hey, Carhartts are making a comeback, bro. <laughs> yeah. Connor's like, I'm on the front lines of that comeback. <clears throat> Before I call the kids up, uh, I just um, I want to shout out to the Jaggers family back there again. Um, it's just a blessing. I met with Tommy on Monday during my lunch break. He came out to his old stomping grounds, West Jessman High School. And uh, that's exactly. If there was a Hall of Fame for ath athlete fans, those who were both athletes and fans, um, Tommy would be in there, maybe, maybe the MVP. Um, but Tommy and I had a good meeting. We're just grateful to have their family. You know, as you guys know, some people come in from Norway <laughs> and are here for a time. They bless us. We bless them. And then they go back to Norway. Some people are here from Wilmore, and they bless us. We bless them, you know, for a couple weeks or a couple months. So we just, I've already been blessed by this family. And however long God has you guys here to bless us, whether it's for a couple weeks or a couple months or whenever, uh, we receive you and we bless you. Beautiful family. I keep wanting to open this thing up, this laptop up like it's mine, but Uncle Tim is going to speak tonight. But before he does, I want to call the kids down. Oh, sh the announcements are coming. Caroline's got it. You've got an advocacy anointing on you, which it's, it's about to like be um, enacted by the justice. I'm not, I'm not kidding about that. I never thought about that, an advocacy anointing. You are not afraid to advocate, Caroline, and don't you stop. All right, so kids, I'm going to read this Bible verse, and it's from the same psalm that Ezekiel read from. Psalm 29, 3. The voice of the Lord 
is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. All right, we'll see who is listening. What word was repeated there? What? Yes, the teacher's kid got it. Thunder. Well, not only thunder was repeated, but the Lord was repeated, which is actually they use God's first name. You know, God has a first name, just like you guys have first names. His first name is Yahweh. His first name is Yahweh. So the voice of Yahweh is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Yahweh thunders over the mighty waters. Now, when a storm comes, if there's thunder, then there has to be what? Lightning. Because I hope I'm not like just making this up. I thought it was pretty well established in my mind and true fact. Thunder is the sound of the lightning, okay? Because light travels faster than sound. So you see the lightning, and then you hear the thunder, okay? Have you guys ever heard of, like, you know, you can count after you see the lightning strike? You count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four. Yeah. Yes, that's right, Solon. If you can see it, like one mile, it takes one second to travel. Something like that. I don't know the exact ratio, but yes. So if the lightning strikes, you see the lightning, and then you go, and you don't even get to one, that lightning is close. Exactly, exactly. You can't see the thunder, but you can hear it. Well, this is the point I want to make. It says that God's voice is like thunder. But if his voice is like thunder, it's also like what? Lightning. Well done, Mr. Jaggers. Did you know that In another part of the Bible, it says lightning and thunder comes from God's throne. Can you imagine God sitting on his throne? (laughs) Sending out lightning and thunder. Now, I think that lightning is good, though. Sometimes he has to send the lightning down on Satan and his demons, and that's not good. But it does a good thing. It's a good thing to destroy the devil. But I believe God strikes his people with lightning and he lights up their life with energy. He lights up their life with knowledge of who he is. What if when God put this Bible together, what if this is an example of lightning from his throne? It came through Certain prophets, certain people of old were struck with lightning from God's throne and they took the lightning and turned it into writing. From lightning to writing, the 66 books 
of the inerrant word of God. And it has given us light. God has used this Bible to strike our hearts. But what if we haven't heard the thunder yet? In the book of Job, the man talks about, I've heard the whisper of God, but who has heard, who has been in the secret place of his thunder? I believe you guys are alive to be sons and daughters of thunder. I believe God wants to thunder to you and through you. And he's going to be loud, but it'll be perfect for you. Okay. It, God will send, he will send perfect thunder. Perfect, dude. It, it'll be Phineas thunder. And you'll be like, thanks, that fits me perfectly. All right, guys. Let's, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break it down on what? Thunder. Okay. Father, thank you for these beautiful children. Thank you for these. These are bolts of lightning from your throne. We receive them. We receive them as light, information, energy. Lightning strikes of love from you. We receive it. We receive them. But Lord, where there's lightning, there's thunder. I pray that that you would thunder to them and that you would thunder through them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's gather in over here. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends. Our friend Phineas, he's not so into the loud sounds, so we're going to lay down our life, we're going to lay down our voices and do it a little bit quieter. Does that sound good, Phineas? All right. Thunder on three, but we're not going to scream it. All right. One, two, three. Thunder. All right, kids. Thanks for being a part of this. You guys did a great job. tell you what we have really good looking kids I mean good looking babies and okay it's time for uh, the kids to go in the back right or mama's gonna do announcements first so I'm announcing that we have a applied for a YOM DTS, but we haven't decided if we're doing it. So if you guys could pray for us to decide. It starts in March. It's a family DTS. There's only like three YOM bases on the planet of the however many tens of thousands there are that have a family DTS program, and the one we chose is in Mexico. discipleship training school so it would be uh i'm probably wrong and i'm sure there's many of you who could correct me on this i think it's a three-month lecture phase and then a two-month uh, outreach phase but i can't remember if those dates are those time blanks are accurate 
Yeah, they're. One of the schools explained to us that it'd be a little more, or this school was a little more accommodating than another school when we explained our family situation. Wow. Well, we bless the pinners to have the mind of Christ. We thank God that he reveals his will to his children and declare the, the scripture that David wrote. He guides you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is about his namesake over the pinners. That he is a faithful God, he is a kind God, and he is a smart God, he is a leader. All right. One final thing before Karis comes. Davy and Robin and Emma, the Ferraro family, our beloved trio, they're gone because they're in Georgia right now. Davy has been asked to speak there. There's a hunting sportsmanship conference, and um, the the general impression that Davey has gotten from a, another guy, another friend of his, is, um, you know, the group would be more familiar with, well, let me say it this way, would not be familiar with Davey's uh, all-in approach to God. You guys know Davey. So uh, I think this will be a great opportunity for Davey to be bold and to be loving, to extend uh, his heart to these people people and for them to be exposed to the heart of God like they haven't seen before. So, Father, speak through Davy. Let him be uh, a bolt of lightning from your throne. Bless the Ferraro family. Let, let them have some fun and just um, we bless them with peace. We release our peace over them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Karis is going to inform us. All right. The first announcement's really important, and it is that I cut my hair. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That wasn't that important. It is exciting, though. <laughs> um, okay, so coming up, we were not going to do this because we just didn't have any specific leading for which direction it was going to go in, but then we got multiple people saying, when are we doing the fall day retreat? <laughs> so we're doing the fall day retreat. So it's just one day. Um, I've asked Bryce about using Adventure Serve again, and we are allowed to use Adventure Serve. They're going to have the recovery group there again. So um, we can't use any of the buildings, but we really don't ever use any of the buildings anyway when we're out there. So I think it's going to be fine. We can use their bathrooms. We'll do the outdoor pavilion. The kids can play on the playground. Um, it's probably going to be similar to last time, starting around 1030 or so, and then going into the evening, and we'll have our evening worship meeting there. So that's the plan. Around the fire, yes. So I'll give you more information as we talk and pray about it. And if you have some direction for our fall retreat, 
please do not keep your mouth shut about it and let us know. Um, so October 21st is the day we're thinking of. I don't know if I said that, but October 21st is the day we're thinking of. Um, please be in prayer, continued prayer for Caroline, who is traveling, leaving this week. She will be back, yes, but she will start her travels this week. Um, today on child care, kid care, we've got Noelle and Adani, and they're going to take Eliza and Zion back with them as helpers. So that'll be pretty awesome. Um, don't forget, we've got our home churches Tuesday, Thursday. Um, if you want to be added to all the things dwelling, please let me know, and I'll put you on our text thread. All right. Does anybody else have any questions or announcements to make? Did you have something? Okay. All right. Well, this man needs no introduction around here, but I'm going to give him one anyway. My uncle, Timothy Johnson, affectionately known by all of us as Uncle Tim, um, he's going to be speaking tonight. It's been a while since he's spoken, and uh, it was just really on my heart for him to share this month. So I look forward to what God is going to speak through him. And uh, I just want to honor Uncle Tim again. He uh, is an instrument of God that makes this possible, that makes dwelling possible. He's the chairman of the board. He uh, and Aunt Debbie hosted um, meetings that really, it, it was out of their home that the name Dwelling Ministries was birthed, and uh, we set up the ministry there. So from the very get-go, um, over nine years ago, September of 2014, they were the first part of the, uh, the first crew ever, and they have continued to make things happen. They've never taken a dime, which, you know, there's certainly biblical support for uh, those who are doing the work of the ministry, being provided for. Uh, but, you know, you want to know who comes out here early, gets it cool for us? It's Uncle Tim. In the winter, he gets it warm. He takes care of the sound. He makes sure we've got people doing music. He closes up shop unless I relieve him um, to do that. Um, he does so many things and, um, he speaks as well. So, and if you haven't had him pray for you, watch out because he prays powerful things. He operates in the prophetic and, uh, there's healing in his hands. So uncle Tim, well, glad to be here with you guys this evening. Um, after last week, when Sue spoke about House of Prayer, I uh, felt like I could just really just sort of get up and say what she said and amen and we'd be good. But that wasn't what the Lord had in mind. Uh, so I want to share with you what he was talking to me about. And just to, if I had to give it a title, it would be Under the House of Prayer is the foundation of faith. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that the words, the things that you've laid on my heart would be clear this evening, that you would speak. Lord, speak to us about our faith. New things, 
Reveal things to us, Lord, maybe things we haven't thought about before. May your spirit just flow in this time. In your name we pray, amen. This doesn't feel right. Okay. Um, so the main source for what we're doing here tonight is obviously the Bible. I say that, but just want to get that right out of the chute here. And I'm using the Passion Translation. If some words don't quite mesh with what you've heard before, that's probably why. I've been, yeah, the Lord's had me in the Passion Translation for quite a while now, and it's just, it speaks to me different ways. So that's where I am. The second source is a book called Christ the Healer. Uh, it was written by a man called, by the name of F. F. Bosworth, and was literally first printed 99 years ago, 1924. And then the other book that a lot of this is based on is from a biography of John G. Lake. It's about that thick. I'm about that far through it. It's, it's a slow go because it's so packed of stuff. And, you know, when I first started thinking about this, I thought, well, you know, those sources are sort of old. And I said, well, I guess the Bible's sort of old to start with. Let's just start there. And then the others are really both of them talk about things that were about 100 years ago. And the scripture came to mind that says, a single day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a single day. So in that time economy, this happened about two, years, two hours ago, you know? So just FYI. Um, so this really, going down this path, really started about a week and a half ago. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture and, and quote some things here as we go through there. But I wanted to just share this one section with you first because it's really what started me down this path really before Travis approached me about sharing with you guys. So this is in Matthew 9, 27 to 31. As Jesus left the house, two blind men began, began following him, shouting over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. Parenthesis here. Pretty bold, right? Just goes right in the house with him. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, You will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes opened. They could see. Then Jesus warned them sternly, Make sure that you tell no one what just happened. But unable to contain themselves, they went out and spread the news everywhere. Have you ever thought about how you would disobey the Lord and just go out and tell everybody? When he says not to, that happens multiple times. I don't know why that always strikes me. I guess they're just so full of what's going on that they can't contain it. But anyway, the bottom line on this was what the Lord said to them, and that is you'll have what your faith expects. Yes, he put his hands on their eyes, but that wasn't it. It's what their faith expects is what the Lord said happened. And so that really stuck with me after reading that the one day. And then after Travis had asked me to speak, this just sort of continued to grow and the Lord sort of expanded on that and so forth. So that's where we're going here this evening. Um, 
this is going to be sort of an unusual kind of thing, which I would say is usual for us, right? Have you ever tried to explain what we do in dwelling to people? It's not easy. That's okay. But it is. It's just so hang on. Um, and I'll just tell you, at the end of my speaking, Joseph is going to take over. I've asked him to share with us a little bit about Rosh Hashanah, which is tonight. It's part of tonight. So that's coming toward the end. That's part of what's going to be a little unusual. So the basic definition of faith for most people is Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Pretty succinct, deep, for sure. But there's a lot, I think, that goes into it and feeds into that. And that's where I want to share with you what the Lord has been showing me, really, this past week and a half or so. Um, and let me just say, for the sake of this teaching that we're doing here tonight, we're assuming that we're talking to people who are saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus. It's a prerequisite for what we're talking about. Actually, faith is very much a process of becoming saved, right? So it's just sort of this whole thing. But I'm, I'm talking now specifically uh, geared toward those who are already saved and redeemed. Um, so faith in God is a much stronger foundation and a much stronger helper, the Holy Spirit, than either doubt, sin, or disease has. Faith. The Holy Spirit will free your mind of all doubt when you rely upon him to do that. So if we're talking about this foundation, if you talk to builders who are building a house, building, skyscraper, whatever, many of them will tell you that sometimes the hardest thing is preparing the foundation. You got to get rid of all the junk. Once that's done and they're ready to actually start building, it typically goes pretty quickly. But you have to have the solid foundation first in order to be able to build the building that you are building. So we're going to talk about first here initially, what is the foundation for faith? Not the foundation of faith. What is the foundation for faith? Number one, the Lord's compassion is a basis for our faith. The cross is a sure foundation and the perfect reason for the exercise of faith. Okay? Laying the foundation is a hard process. For the church of God and Christian faith to become strong, to be built up in God, it's necessary to get this good foundation. Okay? And as we look at our own lives, what we discover is several things. Things that have been rooted and grounded in our hearts, some traditions of our fathers, denominations, etc., is some of the junk that needs to go away. Okay? Not all of it. Some of it, yes. There are many misconceptions about the meaning of the Word of God, many of which are rooted in the same traditions, our families, our fathers, denominations, and teachings that we have heard. And then the other thing is a lot of our teaching is fragmented, right? We hear this here, we hear this here from this person, from that person, and so forth. And sometimes that becomes inconsistent, right? It's not hard to find inconsistency now in the body of Christ, honestly, because of communications and so forth. It's very obvious, the inconsistencies. These can, these can cause entanglements 
and things that avoid us or prohibit us from stepping into real faith. So we've all dealt with those kinds of things, okay? The difficulty sometimes is just getting rid of that stuff. Sometimes it's harder to get rid of that junk than it is to lay on top of the foundation. So that's sort of what we're going to talk about. And let's talk about a little more of some of just a little bit of the junk. There were three things that the Lord sort of focused me on. Um, some of this, those of you who are in our home group, you've heard some of this. So it's going to be a little bit of review. But for everybody else, these are some of the things that I think get in the way of our faith foundation. And the first one is just the aspect of offense, being offended. John the Baptist sent messengers questioning whether Jesus was the Messiah. In Matthew 12, 4, Jesus answered them to go to John Baptist. Give John the report, the blind see again, the crippled walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear of the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessings of heaven come to those who are not offended over me. Our society is full, rampant of being offended. Isn't that become one of the more <laughs> common things that you're not, that offends me or, or they were offended by this or that or whatever. It's just so common of an issue. It's At its basic meaning, what offended is me. I'm offended. My feelings are hurt. I didn't get chose to do whatever. The list goes on and on. It's a selfish thing, being offended many times. Selfish pride gets in the way, and we become easily offended. When we are offended, the blessings of heaven are withheld because it's not about me. And yet that's what the world tells us is going on, that we have a right to be offended. So being offended is some of the junk. The second one is restoring relationships. This is Matthew 18, 15. If your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. If he resolves, it responds, your relationship is restored. But if his heart is closed to you, then you go to him again, taking one or two others with you. You'll be fulfilling what the scripture teaches when it says every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen, then you share the issue with the congregation in hopes of restoration. If he refuses to respond even to the church, then you must disregard him as though he were an outsider. So I'm right in the middle of this one. True confessions right here. Um, situation where some things were said to me by another brother, a Christian. And it's fair to say we are estranged at this moment. And the Lord has been prodding me, telling me, coming back to this scripture, I need to go to that brother to mend the relationship. Joseph, a couple times ago, spoke and talked eloquently about the relationship found in Genesis about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all this. It's relational. 
Christianity is relational. And when we have broken relationships, we are broken. We have to restore these relationships to the best of our ability, unless the person just chooses then not to do that. At least then we have done our part. I need to do that. I'm going to do that. It's just part of what's going on right now. And then, unlimited forgiveness, Matthew 8, 15 to 32. Later, Peter approached Jesus and said, it's all related to the previous one, how many times do I forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? And then Jesus answers, of course, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. Well, there you go. We have no reason to allow ourselves to live in offense. We have no reasons to put up with broken relationships. Our God calls us to do just the opposite, to be restored in relationships, to not be offended, and to forgive. Thankfully, that's the example that he gave us. That's a good thing, isn't it? Because if he didn't forgive us, if he became offended by the things that we ask, I don't want to go into just ridiculousness here, but sometimes I get the picture of the Lord just looking at me and rolling his eyes. You know, really? Again, we're going to do this again? Um, yeah, thankfully, no, that's not the case. So those are just three things. There are plenty of other things that could be listed here as to some of the junk that we need to get rid of to be able to build the foundation of faith, to have a sure foundation. I'd like to talk with you, you know, Hebrews 11 is sort of known as the hall of faith. Um, one characteristic that all of those mentioned had was they all acted on nothing but the word of God as their reasoning for expecting the thing he had promised. Think about that a moment. All they relied upon is what God said to them. And it was the foundation for everything that they did. We must cooperate with God by not being occupied by what the devil says, but rather what God says. Specifically, let's talk a moment just about Abraham. Number one, he simply believed the word of God. Period. He is fully persuaded by the word of God alone. He held fast at the beginning of his confidence when his faith was tested. He was wholly occupied with the word of God in the matter. You know, Sarah asked him where he was going and what he was doing. He never really responded directly to her as I read it, right? He said, God will provide the lamb. He refused to cast away his confidence when God, by telling him to offer Isaac, was apparently removing the visible encouragement of his faith. And yet he was faithful. He was ready to go through until the Lord stopped him. Totally focused on God. Totally focused on God's word. That was the foundation of his faith. Nothing else mattered. Laser focus. Abraham's faith wasn't based on anything he saw. You must see to it that we don't do that. It's not what we see, it's what we hear, it's what we believe 
It's what we see in the Word. Faith only has to do with the Word of God. So that's sort of the preliminary aspect of laying the foundation for what faith is. It is our ability to be able to focus on what the Word of God says, the Bible, and have faith and know that that is truth. Travis mentioned inerrant in his talk with the kids. I'm sure they all understood that. I'm not sure I do, but I do know that it is, is you can't question it. That has to be our approach. We don't question God's work, and that's the foundation for our faith, nothing else. And so now what I want to do is just sort of take you through some facets of faith. These are different statements that I've read in these other books that I want to read to you because it sort of puts a little different focus on some of the different facets of what faith actually is. Before people can have a steadfast faith, they must be rid of all uncertainty concerning God's will in the matter. Appropriate faith cannot go beyond one's knowledge of the revealed will of God. Where do we find God's will? In his word. That's it. That's God's will. That's how we know that. Does he speak to us sometimes? Absolutely. And that, I include that as part of it. Do you want the inerrant part? Because you can be wrong in hearing, right? We can be wrong in hearing. We're not going to be wrong in God's word. Go to the aspect of planting a seed. After you've planted a seed, you believe it's growing before you see it grow. This is part of it that is the evidence of things not seen. In Christ, we have perfect evidence for faith. The evidences for faith are so much stronger, listen to this, so much stronger than those for doubting. Don't doubt your faith, doubt your doubts for they are unreliable. It's important for us to hear the Lord. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Another one. Faith is expecting what he promises when we pray. Not long ago, Sue spoke. And if you remember, she talked about great expectations. So good. So good. What better foundation for faith could we have than the word of God? We need to, by faith, expect what he promises when we pray. Faith always, now listen, faith always blows the ram's horn before not after the walls are falling down. Okay? Faith never judges according to the sight of the eyes. It's the evidence of things not seen but promise. Faith rests on far more solid ground than the evidence of the senses. The senses will lie to us. They will lie to us. The, the enemy uses that to get us off track. It is the word of God which abides forever. Our senses may deceive us, but God's word never will deceive us. Forget the senses. And as a close to that, faith doesn't wait for the walls to fall down. Faith shouts them down. 
Faith is being so convinced of the absolute truth of the declarations of God, which are recorded in the Bible, that we act on them. You know, it's one thing to say we believe it. It's another thing to act on it. We're called to act on the word so often. Faith is believing that you have what God says you have and acting accordingly before you either feel or see that you have it. It's that part before, before you have the confirmation. This ties to that. Faith is believing what God says in the face of the contrary evidence of the senses. We're to be steadfast in resisting everything contrary to the word of God. Faith means that we have left the reality of the senses. No matter what we see, we have faith that this is the truth because it's built on God's word. Faith receives forgiveness and healing. I mentioned the forgiveness part earlier of becoming saved. Involves faith because somebody who is saved, they have nothing to show. You can, how do you know you're saved? Right? It's got to be a faith thing. It's not something you see. Now, you can see the results of that by their actions and how they live their life from that point on and so forth. But the initial act is a faith thing. Faith receives forgiveness and healing. Then it praises God for them when there is nothing to praise him for as far as the five senses are concerned. That's a hard one. We are so convinced in our hearts, in our minds, that we know that what is being said is true, that it doesn't matter what we're seeing because frequently we don't see it. we got to go by faith. The sacrifice of praise and the giving of thanks is continually done in the faith realm. This is before our blessings have changed into their visible form. We have faith that that's what's happening. Another one. To be occupied with what we see or feel, the senses, is to exactly reverse the condition God lays down for us to follow. He asks us to follow, not once we see it. He asks us to follow. In fact, often doesn't it take like some steps of faith to get to that point? So when we try to put it in the realm of the senses, we're doing exactly opposite of what the Lord expects us to do. Here's a good one. It is never proper or reasonable to cast away your faith if you have the word of God as its basis. That's a big if. If you have the word of God as the foundation and the basis for you faith, it's never proper or reasonable to cast away your faith. Okay, can I tell you right now that all fingers are pointing right here as I'm sharing this with you? Yeah, I'm don't have the time to share a lot of stuff. But these things I'm saying so much point back at me. And the Lord, this is why I'm sharing this with you, because he has been doing this work and speaking to me about it. 
as far as the optic nerve is concerned. Now we're talking about eyes, and those of you know, that's a big thing in our family. But as far as the optic nerve is concerned, faith, faith is the evidence of things not seen. But as far as the enlightened eyes of our understanding are concerned, faith is the evidence of things seen. That's how we see it. It's in our mind, right? It's not what we see with our physical eyes. It's what the Lord speaks to us and shows to us in our enlightened eyes. Walking by faith is walking by sight of a better kind. We're to spend our lives looking at far better things than can be seen by the optic nerve. We see with the eye of faith the glorious things that are invisible to the natural eye. After all, it's in the mind and not the optic nerve that one actually sees. That's a conduit, right? But you actually see with your mind. You can't see money in the bank except in your mind. And yet we write checks all the time assuming they're going to be checked or cashed. It's faith. Very small level, but faith. As I was in the midst of preparing all this, playing with our dog, which is like a prerequisite in our house. And I was playing with Cooper, and he was bringing some toy to me that I would throw, and then he'd go chase it. And I started to notice a pattern. What happened was every time, once he finally let go and let me have the toy, that he started running before I threw it. And, yes, indeed, I would throw it. And So there's faith in action right there. He knows that I'm going to throw this. We've done it over and over, you know? Anyway, that came to mind was just an example of faith. When we steadfastly believe and act on our faith in God's word, nothing can keep the power in the word from making all things to become exactly what the word says. All we have to do is firmly believe what the word says. It's the foundation that makes the difference. Anything short of having our living faith for the will and work of God to be done, hang on here, is unrighteousness. Now think about that for a moment. This one really struck me right between the eyes. Anything short of having a living faith for the will and work of God to be done is unrighteousness. We're not being obedient when we don't trust him. I'll just leave that at that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's heavy. The evidence God gives us for faith, which is his own word, when it occupies our mind, is much stronger than any evidence Satan can give us to make us doubt. Make sure we're looking at the right thing. Now I want to give you a couple of scriptural Example stories, actually, that are all related to faith. Um, Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Then Jesus left and went north to a non-Jewish region of Lebanon. He encountered there a Canaanite woman who shouted out to him, Lord, son of David, show mercy to me. My daughter is horribly afflicted by a demon that torments her. But Jesus never answered her. So his disciples said to him, why do you ignore this woman who is crying out to us? 
Jesus said, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and bowed down before him and said, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it's not right for a man to take bread from his children and throw it to the pigs. And she said, you're right, Lord. But even puppies get to eat the crumbs that fall from the prince's table. Then the Lord answered her, dear woman, your faith is strong. What you desire will be done for you. And at that very moment, her daughter was instantly set free from the demonic torment. Jesus didn't say, well, you convinced me. That's a reasonable request. No. Woman, your faith is strong. What you desire will be done for you. Faith was the basis for her daughter's deliverance. Might I add to that perseverance? Very much a part of that as well. Matthew 6, 5 through 12. Later, as Jesus and his disciples crossed over to the other side of Lake Galilee, the disciples realized they had forgotten to bring any loaves of bread. Jesus spoke up and said, Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Thinking Jesus was scolding them over not bringing bread, they began to discuss it among themselves. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, You have such little faith. Why are you arguing with one another about having no bread? Are you so slow to understand? And you know how the rest of that story goes. So the disciples, after just having witnessed Jesus feed the 5,000 and the 4,000, are arguing about bread. Is that not a picture of us many times? How many times have we witnessed the mighty God, the mighty move of God, and yet our faith is weak? Matthew 18, 1 to 10. At that time, the disciples came to ask Jesus, who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom? Jesus called the little ones to his side and said to them, Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable like a child, you will never enter in. And he continues to talk about the importance of children. At the very end of that, he says, Troubles and obstacles to your faith are inevitable. He didn't say they will come. He said, inevitable, but great devastation will come to the one guilty of causing others to stumble. Troubles and obstacles to our faith. It's going to happen. The enemy is one of his plans. We're not unaware of the schemes of the enemy, right? And so when those things come, we have to turn back and find out, Lord, where have I missed the mark? Where, what are you speaking to me at this in your word? Where, where do I stand? And it comes back to our faith and believing in him and what he is doing. So I have a couple more aspects I wanted to share with you. And here we start going to meddling a little bit, I think. This is from the John Lake, John G. Lake book. If the Holy Spirit is in the church, the gifts are too. But for lack of faith, we don't see them exercised in the ordinary church. I think you could almost get rid of ordinary. Lack of faith. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's by lack of faith that they are not exercised in the church. 
Next one. There is no man that lives who can define the operations of faith in a man's heart. But there is one thing that we are sure of, that when we cut ourselves off from every other kind of help, we have never found Jesus Christ to fail. If there are any failures, it's our failures, not God. Can I say that's a strong source of faith? The man who has a settled, established faith in God has got that faith based on the eternal declarations of the Lord Jesus Christ and is moving in harmony with the revealed plan of God as outlined for this hour in God's church. When we're in harmony with what Jesus has said, then we are ready to move with him. And this will be the last one. Mr. Lake was talking about a meeting that they were having. He says, as my heart went out to God in prayer, something transpired within me. And to me, that I can only describe it like this. Presently, my sight and consciousness were awakened to the fact that from this one and that one, and perhaps from a hundred different divergent streams, faith and power was coming into my spirit and concentrating in me shafts of light. Indeed, it was the spirit of faith being imparted to my spirit from the hearts of those who knelt throughout the house. An unusual consciousness of God's power and presence swept over me. We play a role in this. The Lord uses us as we are in this kind of meeting here in dwelling or others, the Lord uses our faith and our participation with the Holy Spirit to empower what's being said. As we gather here on a regular basis, one of the purposes is to increase our faith. We hear testimonies of how God is moving and see people's lives changed, and it creates more faith. These streams of faith are further strengthened as we seek God and respond in unity. Another component of faith that I'm not even going to touch because I wasn't supposed to do that tonight, but it's huge. It's the aspect of faith for healing. Let me just briefly say that just about everything that we've talked about tonight relates to healing. All of it. All of it. I frequently recently have come to the point of asking a question to myself is, when are you going to believe what it says right there? Because it's challenging. It, yeah, the Lord wants to take us to another level. So let me just briefly share a little testimony that is absolutely current. Thursday night, two nights ago, we were sitting out at a ball game, one of my grandsons playing a baseball game. We've done a lot of that recently. It's great. Things are going well. Got up, game was done. We'd gotten beaten terribly. That had nothing to do with it, but it just was. Um, get up to walk back out to the car, and all of a sudden, my left knee, it was just like I, I could not walk. The pain was tremendous. 
I didn't really, honestly, I did not know how I was going to get back to the car. It was hurting so bad, and I didn't do anything. Nothing precipitated it. Just stood up and started walking. Started calling out in my head and to Deb, Lord, I need your touch. What is this? And I very quickly came to the conclusion, I believe the Lord showed me, that this was an attack on me trying to somehow shake my faith in what I'm sharing with you guys tonight. That didn't negate the pain I was feeling. I wish it had, but it didn't, honestly. I was able to walk back out to the car and was praying all along the way. And, of course, Deb and I prayed about it. Um, had a hard time sleeping that night. And the enemy was just still working overtime. And I guess it was Friday night, maybe, last night. Just really started taking a spiritual warfare stance on this thing. And declaring the word of the Lord that he is here to heal. He is not there to do anything else. He's there to heal. Sozo, I'm not the scholar, Hebrew or Greek, Greek, thank you, I knew I would say it wrong, means to be saved, to be physically healed, everything that happens in Christ is all that one word, it's all the same thing, it's all the same thing, how is it that we can have a faith that we are saved and yet somehow we question the healing part? When it's the same thing. Can't separate them. So, just declared the word last night as we were praying. We don't accept this. Satan, we bind you. You're not going to do this. Got up this morning. I felt better. Still hurting a little bit. I said to Deb, well, we've been on this journey for about 10 months of going trying to get better fit, healthy-wise, nutrition, and all this stuff. And recently, last month and a half or so, we've been going to the gym to work out. I'd said, Deb, let's go to the gym. And before she had a chance to say it, I told her, yeah, I will take it easy. I need to get in there and stretch out my leg and all this stuff. So, okay, we went this morning and um, I got on my machine that I use over there and I'm sort of taking it easy. And about five minutes in, felt like the Lord saying, what are you doing? And I quickly realized that I was not having faith. I was going on sight and what I feel. I said, okay, Lord, and just let that go and just started going after it. And the Lord absolutely let me do that. That's all I can say. There's no physical reason for that. I'm just telling you the truth. He did. And it's by faith. That's all you can say. I, but the Lord had to point out to me that I wasn't being faithful. I was being anything but that at that moment. Instead of going with what the word says and claiming that healing and so forth. And so 
it was another lesson for me, just in little things. But you know what? The little things matter. Because if we're not faithful in the little things, we're not going to be faithful in the big things. So I share that with you just as an, hopefully an encouragement. Um, I don't have this whole thing figured out yet. But I can tell you that the Lord is faithful. And he wants us to be faithful also. Full of faith. Ready to do what he tells us to do. Ready to act on the word of God as he gives it to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You are faithful. Lord, we want to be more full of faith. Speak to each of us, Lord. Challenge us. Help us to understand the areas that we come in less than we should. Lord, faith is a supernatural thing. It transcends the natural. It transcends the natural senses. So, Lord, I ask for each one here to receive more supernatural faith that you give us through the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, help us to be ready to stand up and to respond as you call us to do the things that you call us to do, full of faith, knowing that we are doing what you call us to do, and there's no question about it. It is settled. Thank you, and we praise you, Lord. Amen. Joseph? Not sure which book I'll need. Uh, wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God for making yourself known from heaven today. So today is the day, the uh, Yom Teruah, it's called. It's known as the Feast of Trumpets, and it's known as Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. Rosh Hashanah, uh, it's interesting, it's the, in Jewish tradition, it's believed to be the, day, the birthday of the world, the day of creation. Uh, in the Bible, the only day that said the only the time that's said to be the beginning of the year is uh, the month of Nisan. Well, it's not called Nisan; it's called Aviv in the Bible. It's the it's the month in the spring in which Passover occurs. When it comes to talking about this day, it says in the seventh month, on the first day of the month. And why don't I go there in Leviticus twenty three? Uh, I think I'll. verses 23 through 25 is one of two places as far as I know that this this day is described I guess I'm shorter than Tim let's see here Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe, in Hebrew it says, a Shabbaton, Shabbaton, and it translates a day of solemn rest. 
If you looked back at the beginning of Leviticus 23, it says, uh, talks about the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, and it says a Sabbath of solemn rest. That's in Hebrew, Shabbat, Shabbaton. So, yeah, just so you know, day of solemn rest is the same root as Sabbath. So today is a Sabbath in the biblical calendar, and it's also a Sabbath because of the weekly Sabbath as well. Double. Uh, and then it has this phrase, zikaron uh, teruah, zikaron teruah, a memorial of a blast or a memorial of a shout. This word teruah. More often, most of the time in the Bible, I was looking through the examples, and uh, most of the time, it seems to be talking about actually a shout, where the people shout, but it's, uh, it's regularly accompanied by the sound of the shofar. All right, so there's so much. This is such a rich theme, New Testament and Old. And so much so, it's hard to know where to start, and it's hard to know what to focus on. Uh, I think that uh, a really important place to start is what goes along with the psalm, Psalm 29, which uh, Zeke read and Travis spoke about. Uh, When the Lord makes himself known in lightnings and thunderings, and does that remind you of any historical event? Of course, I can count on you, Trenton. What historical event does that remind you of? Yes, the coming of Yahweh to meet with the people of Israel on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, right before the giving of the Ten Commandments, right after he had brought them out of Egypt with a mighty salvation. Okay. Uh, There is a verse in Psalm 47, verse 5, and I'll just read, I'm going to read up to this verse. Clap your hands, first of all, to the choir master of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. For Yahweh, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. Of course, speaking to the people of Israel. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. Teruah. God has gone up with a shout. Yahweh with the sound of of the trumpet. Kol Shofar. So, we're going to invite Cohen, and um, did he go back again? Zeke, can you go back and tell them that we're going to blast the shofar in a minute? What major New Testament eschatological event, (laughs) the major eschatological event, is accompanied by the sound of a trumpet? The return of Jesus. So, let's look at a couple of those. See, there's just, this is just like a softball, you know? Like, bam. Okay, praise God. Uh, Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those, Jesus is speaking, talking about things to come. 
Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of, heaven will be, of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. This is a reference back to Zechariah. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Let's look real quick at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. When it says by a word from the Lord, I think that that's talking about directly from Jesus' teaching. That's what I think it's saying. And so then when it says the coming of the Lord, also referring to Jesus' coming. For the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. Notice again the theme of a shout and a blast of a trumpet. Uh, you could look also in Revelation 10 and 11. In fact, I'll do that. And, th and then after that, we will stand up and call on the Lord. Yes. And, but not yet. Not yet. I will give you fair warning. Okay? Thank you for reminding me. Um, I didn't mark the verse on this one. Oh, yeah. The seventh trumpet. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So the trumpet and the shout together. You see this in, also in Judges when Gideon is attacking the Midianites. They make the, break the jars so the torches light up. They blast the, the shofar, and then they all shout for, I think it's for Gideon and the Lord, something like that. They go together in these times of war. It's a call, it's a cry of war, and it's a cry for deliverance. Um, in Joel 2, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on this holy hill, on his holy mountain, I believe is how it goes. And so I believe that this day, today, it started last night at sundown, goes through tonight at sundown, and the diaspora Jewish people celebrate it for two days. That's great. Uh, I believe this day is prophetic of the coming of Jesus. And it's a day for us to remember and to look forward and to prophetically blast the trumpet and shout and call on him, just like it says at the end of Revelation, come, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Before we do that, I want to do one, mention one more thing, which is that 
the, um, which is from Jewish tradition. This book is wonderful. It's called 613 Mitzvot, 613 Commands. I got this for, in my master's. I just love it. Uh, there's, it's believed in Jewish tradition that one of God's, one of the commands that the Jewish people are called to fulfill is to hear the sound of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we should be quick to hear and slow to critique when it comes to you know, Jewish uh, beliefs and practices. Uh, but I just wanted to mention there's this uh, Jewish sage, Sadia Gaon, from the 10th century, who gave 10 reasons for the sounding of the shofar. I'm not going to list them all, but I'm going to mention the last two. Uh, and if you want, you could, you could look at this afterwards if you want to see the rest. There's a lot. As a reminder that the shofar will herald the ingathering of Israel's scattered remnants to return to the Holy Land in the Messianic Age, Isaiah 27, 13. And last one he gives, to remind us of the revival of the dead. So within Jewish tradition, there's the belief that the sounding of the shofar in this day looks forward to the regathering of Israel and the resurrection of the dead. So we are in a moment, if it's all right, we're going to blast a shofar and shout. Praise God. Okay, let's everybody please stand. I want us to shout Hosanna. Ho, you mentioned Sozo. Hosanna would be a good Aramaic equivalent to Sozo. Save, please save, save now. So, it, so Cohen, stand up on that chair, and he, he's gonna. We're gonna do this three times. He's gonna blast, and we're all gonna shout Hosanna three times. Okay. <laughs> Hosanna! 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 Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Hag Sameach. Happy holiday. Shabbat Shalom. Well, amen to all of that, to what Uncle Tim said, to what Joseph just taught us about, to what Cohen just did, and to what you just shouted out, Hosanna. I don't get tired of reminding you guys, you are awesome. I mean it. Go in peace. One other thing, one of the things that's done traditionally in the Jewish households, they have challah bread, I probably didn't say that right, and apples to dip in honey in the back room. There's stuff back there for you guys to get some, so please come do that. Enjoy that too. Oh, it's downstairs? What's that? She's going to bring it up. Okay, good deal.